Welcome to episode 124 and a half of the Grip Strip Podcast. It's part two of our Big Moves and Attitudes episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, sans a couple of people today, it'll just be the regular crew here. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? And doing great, Phil. Yeah, ready to be back for part two of the episode here and going over everything that still happened this past weekend in uh, world of racing, you know, moving on from the stock car, NASCAR stuff, a little bit of NASCAR stuff, of course, uh, Cup uh, and IMSA doing a weekend in Chicago next year, 2023, for 4th of July weekend. Then Alex Blow might need a lawyer up or somebody from uh, Chip Ganassi and McLaren going to have to lawyer up there. Uh, of course, the IndyCar race at Toronto, then um, everything else that happened and all the rest of the stuff, including our roundup and uh, previews for IndyCar and F1 next uh, th- or this coming weekend. Yeah, I guess uh, y- you did my part, so um, we can just go and uh, move forward uh, with the first bit of news that broke uh, today, which is Tuesday. Uh, yesterday, we'll just go and recap. We covered, we had Joe Passero on, and we had the great Ralph Shaheen on for nearly an hour. Um, it was very exciting to have him on and uh, lots of jokes and lots of great stories and lots of great educational information uh, for those who are chasing that dream of being in broadcasting or being in journalism in a in a motorsport sense. Uh, big motivation to, to go and have that um, opportunity to interview a hero of mine um, and Ralph Shaheen and an absolute great guy, too. Um, faithful to the Bay all day. So we had that. The trio, the three of us, went and talked about uh, the NASCAR races in New Hampshire. And then we also previewed Pocono, all three races. So if you want to listen to that, that'll be part one. That'll be a nice uh, leisurely stroll for sure. And then this hopefully will be back. You can add this on to the back end of it and hear the rest that's going on. The first piece, though, uh, is Chicago. The city of Chicago has announced, along with NASCAR, that uh, they're going to have the NASCAR Cup Series and IMSA. They haven't announced what class uh, will be there, um, but they will have IMSA next year in a two-day show on the streets of Chicago. So the first ever street course race in NASCAR Cup Series history. Um, you look at ARCA series ran at Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I think there was one other circuit they ran back in the day, uh, a street circuit that you ran in, um, the old days, uh, I think uh, along with Trans Am and, uh, maybe IMSA, they did that, uh, truck series and the truck series and Xfinity haven't done that, uh, or at least to my knowledge, at least I, I can't really remember if that's the case. I know that Trans Am did it. Plenty of times it's been popular in IndyCar and Formula One to a lesser extent. Uh, you think about street course racing, it's Monaco and Long Beach. Those are the two greatest street course races it's ever been. Um, IndyCar has also made a great uh, home at St. Petersburg, uh, which is not bad for Josh. Uh, that's a place that has been essentially on and off the schedule for as long as I've been alive in some way, shape or form in motorsport. So they've made a home as a big-time street course. But outside of that, you have a lot of street courses that have gone on and off the calendar. Some of them flamed out. Some of them never got there. Uh, Went back to Toronto, which we'll talk about here shortly. But I guess initial thoughts, Josh, I know that on the iRacing side, I'm not sure if you were able to sample 
that circuit, but uh, that's where they did the science. It seems like Ben Kennedy and company throw out these um, thought thought experiments on iRacing, try them out, and then if they're satisfied and whoever they're working with is satisfied, then they start working on doing that thing. That's why we have the Atlanta Super Speedway, narrow, whatever, slot car track, and now we also have the Chicago Street Course. But they're making a big deal about it, trying to hit a big market. They went to L.A. to the Coliseum. They're going to go back to that next February for the Clash. Uh, this is going to be a full ra- full uh, field race, of course, regular points race at the expense of Road America. And, um, you know, the media re- coverage or certain the, the re- reactions are obvious in regards to the population that is NASCAR fans for sure. But what are your thoughts on um, what took place today, the announcement and what the track looks like, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, the track, of course, was developed on iRacing, the course layout, and uh, I mean, first look at it is it's going to be a lot of uh, 90 degree turns, uh, heavy braking zones, uh, turns 1, 2, uh, 5, 6, uh, 7, 11, and 12 are all 90 degree corners, and then you have all the corners are, um, the rest of it is, you you have arcing corners, and turns 8, 9, and 10 are, uh, turns 8, 9, and 10 are about uh, like a chicane, kind of in a way. Uh, though I would say maybe nine's very uh, as more of an arc than a chicane type of uh, turn. But um, I expect a lot of uh, heavy braking um, in most of these corners. Um, you know, s- similar to like what we see at Watkins Glen. Uh, you know, going into turn one, it's a very hard ninety degree corner, or uh, turn five at Road America. You know, another um, heavy braking zone. Uh, where you have a 90 degree left turn. So it's going to be kind of like that, uh, and except on a street course. And there's not going to be an elevation change where you're going downhill at both Watkins Glen and Road America. And this is going to be um, mostly flat. And, of course, you're also going to have to deal with uh, street conditions as well. So um, there could be um, bumps and uh, other things, uh, you know, that are built into the streets. So that's going to make for some uh, challenges, especially with handling uh, under braking and, you know, could cause a uh, wheel hop or uh, something like that or contribute to it, uh, especially um, if you're, you know, in a heavy braking zone. So we'll see how it works out next year. Um, and I mean, I, I have not sampled this track yet from uh, iRacing. I've never downloaded it uh, before. Um, but I guess suppose now I'm going to have to, and, uh, I've tried a little bit of road course racing with, uh, the next gen car on iRacing. So I'm going to have to look at that too and, um, try to get more comfortable with that. Uh, but I feel like from the last, uh, year's, uh, NASCAR iRacing pro invitational event that they had, I feel like, um, it's probably going to end up getting strung out, but maybe that's not true. I feel like the racing so far road course wise with this new car hasn't quite been like that it's been close enough um and of course this car is made for road racing so it will probably do pretty well uh especially in a street course like this and uh certainly uh they had probably had this course uh in mind when they uh redesigned the cup car for uh this is uh, this year and beyond so uh we'll see what happens uh you know of course and this is going to be an interesting event you know if they decide to do it 
uh, you know, for the future of this sport, this is where the July 4th race is going to be held in Chicago. If uh, it has a thing uh, in in place for the future of NASCAR, and if uh, this event is successful, do they expand into other markets using the street course layout? You know, we've talked about in the past, like you know, going back to 20 years ago, there has always been talk about putting a NASCAR track in New York, like on Long Island or something like that, and there's always rumors about that. And I mean, I think at one point, I'm pretty sure I remember Donald Trump's name being thrown out there as an uh, investor or uh, uh, someone who would put money into that uh, project, but none of that ever like came came through. I don't think it ever went beyond like a initial planning phase or something like that. But maybe NASCAR tries to go back to New York where they had their uh, awards banquet for many years uh, and they try to do a street course race uh, on the streets of New York in Manhattan or something like that. So uh, we'll have to see if um, this race leads to other events like that, but um, should be interesting for next year. Yeah, I think another one that fits in that, Fits the bill. I mean, they talked about the Meadowlands here uh, where they would try to go and make a circuit. But now, of course, you have the new stadium. You have that that monstrosity mall. You have the horse track. You have all kinds of crap over there. I don't think that would be possible. Um, you have, the, I think, in Jersey City. It wasn't Jersey City. I'm trying to think. Weehawken was where there was rumors with Leo Hendry, who used to run the Yes Network um, back 20 years ago when it first came along um ran with kyle petty orbit racing porsche in gt in the grand am series he also was um connected trying to work with ecclestone to make a formula one race happen over there in weehawken and initial planning stages started and they did a little construction but it never came off well if this actually becomes a thing uh, the notion of going to big cities and it seems like this is what their plan is ben kennedy is like well we have this car that theoretically has sports car characteristics which in turn sports cars seem to go and run on these street courses relatively well now what is a racing product going to be josh already brought it up you look at what road america was for nascar and i said it to phil spain a former guest on the show when you're talking about the furor of losing road america i'm i love road america it's one of the greatest racetracks in the world it's it's absolutely perfect for so many different types of racing what it isn't perfect for is nascar it just just isn't the racing the cars the people driving the car it just does not work they've had two races there neither race has been all that compelling the only thing we're going to remember from this past race is the fact that Tyler Reddick won his first career race. If you could tell me anything of great significance that happened in the race last year, that if you're not a Chase Elliott fan, then God bless you. There's nothing memorable. When it comes to Xfinity, they destroy more equipment than they actually, and they have more race laps under caution than they have racing laps because NASCAR doesn't know what a local yellow is. I hope by next July they learn what a local yellow is because they're going to need that. Because there's going to be a lot of destruction on this track. Um, you know, you think about indie cars, and we're going to talk about with Toronto and all that. Um, they've ran on street courses going back decades and whatever. And you see the carnage that happens there. You have to take a, a page from Cascar, uh, the Canadian Pinty series or whatever. You have to look at what they do and how they handle races and kind of take that as a blueprint. Not only on road courses, but I think in general. Um, and look at how they handle races 
and move that towards the cup and cup Xfinity and truck side. And my guess Arca to a lesser extent too, even though Arca is a shit show. Um, it's a new idea. It's cool. Chicago used to have uh, in Joliet in the suburb. They used to have, they still have Chicago land speedway. I was there in the year 2000 visiting family when they were building the track. Um, never got to go there actually when it was a track. There was Chicago Motor Speedway in Cicero, which was owned by cheap, partly owned by cheap Ganassi, had connections with Target because they're out of Minnesota and Chicago area over there. Uh, got to go there and watch a race. Uh, Juan Pablo Monterrier won it. Um, and um, it was basically a horse track and it was super flat. Like it was essentially like a bigger, wider Martinsville. Uh, Kyle Busch made his uh, NASCAR debut there uh, back, I think, in 2001 in a Roush Racing Ford uh, at 15. So that so, you know, Chicago has history. They ran at Soldier Field. Of course, they ran all those years at Chicagoland. Uh, They dumped Chicagoland to the curb. Kansas, because they have Brian France built that casino there for whatever reason, they have two races there. But it's still a shitty racetrack. Um, but because it's Kansas and it's inbred and whatever, they'll go there and then, you know, like they'll get the, all this stuff. The fact of the matter is they got rid of a permanent road course, which in turn doesn't really suit NASCAR for a street course, which we really don't know if this, this form of racing can actually suit street course or cars can suit a street course. It's kind of like how this car does not work well on flat tracks which, you know, the racing we saw on Sunday kind of proved positive of that. Um, so I guess it's trial and error. We'll see. Um, there will be a lot of beating and banging. There will be a lot of cautions, a lot of bruised egos, and a lot of tempers. And if it's similar to what we have this year with the parody and a lot of different winners, somebody's probably getting dumped for a victory late in that race uh, at uh, Chicago. Uh, but we will see what happens and uh, we'll see. I think I would assume IMSA would be involved because it is a NASCAR entity. Now, I don't think the prototype, the the hyper cars and the LMDH cars will be there. I would think it would be similar to like Lime Rock was this past weekend uh, where they had GT only. Now, how that would affect, you know, their schedule, how they would have to do the logistics of that. I don't know how that would work. Um, we'll see what happens. That's probably going to affect their schedule and some of the series they got going on there uh, with who's going to show up. Uh, maybe they do an LMP2 only race or something. Maybe, who knows? Uh, I don't think NASCAR wants to have, I mean, I think the LM, the GTD cars, just the regular GTD cars are still going to be faster than the cup cars. So maybe they do LMP3s. I don't know. There has to be some, they'll have to figure out a, a way to make it so that they don't make the cup cars look like dog slow. So that's something that they'll have to also think about. From there, we will uh, transition into another piece of news. We we spent a lot of time during uh, episode 124 last night uh, talking about uh, the move by Tyler Reddick and going to 2311 and all the machinations that come with that. Well, that's coming in a year and a half from now. He's not even going there until 2024. Alex Pillow, in a span of a few hours, they Jip Ganassi said they took their option on the defending series champion. Alex Pillow then comes out and says, I never approved of this. I'm not 
I have not said that I'm going to sign back with them. And then 20 minutes later, McLaren, whatever, Arrow McLaren, McLaren Racing, whatever you want to call it, Arrow Spam, says that they signed him for 2023. And then it became a cluster. So the defending series champion, a guy who has driven, this is his first third year in the series. The first two years, he drove for two different teams. His second year, of course, he has this championship run and wins, uh, becoming like the first teammate and the first driver in a 10-car since Dario Franchitti that actually gave Scott Dixon some something to work, work against. And um, this year has not been as fruitful. Uh, wins have been... Uh, Hard to come by for the Ganassi team. Of course, Marcus Erickson getting the Indianapolis 500. But Dixon said it on Sunday, which we'll talk about here shortly, that he gave away that race because he dominated it um, and qualified on pole, set the one and four lap track record um, at Indianapolis, um, you know, for for whatever and uh, in qualifying. But... Alex Pillow's announcement set off a chain reaction of things that affects a whole bunch of people. It affects a 10 car. Uh, what are they going to do there? Ganassi has come out and said that he wanted status quo. Now, Jimmy Johnson, God love him. He's a champion. He's a great sportsman. He's one of the great race, greatest race car drivers I've ever seen because the guy's been doing this for 30 plus years racing, and he's been generally good for all 30 years in some way, shape, or form. But he can't drive road courses in an Indy car. He's all right on the ovals, though. So I think this weekend's not going to be bad for him in Iowa. You have Erickson, who's leading the points and has won the Indy 500. They ain't getting rid of him, as long as he has sponsorship, which he does. Uh, Scott Dixon, we're about to bring up more history that he has made. He's one of the greatest open-wheel drivers ever lived. And I think he could drive until he's like 100. Uh, the fact is Chip Ganassi will allow him to drive whatever he wants. If Scott Dixon decides he wants to have a wheelbarrow with Chip Ganassi support and Mike Hall is willing to go and call the shots, I think he's going to be allowed to drive a wheelbarrow. It doesn't really matter. I think he's going to drive there for the next 100 years. As long as he's alive and he can get into a car, Scott Dixon's going to drive for Ganassi. But the 10 car has been this revolving door. They had they had Dan Weldon in that car. Uh, I don't remember back, I think... Darren Manning was in there, I think, for a year or two. Yeah, Darren Manning was there in the IRL days when they were struggling with Toyota. One of the only two years where Scott Dixon didn't win in his uh, illustrious career. Um, The then they replaced him with uh, with Dan Weldon, who had won the IRL championship. Went to Ganassi, won the first race, was a winner there. uh, Got close to Indy winning Indy uh, at least once in the couple of years he was there, two, three, I think two years he was there, three years he was there. Um, then he left, went to Panther, and they signed Dario Franchitti after Dario's um, failed uh, uh, sojourn to NASCAR while NASCAR's uh, team situation contracted, uh, where Ganassi started that year with, I think, four cars, Earnhardt, Ginn, it was Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and Ted, uh, Ted Ginn, uh, Bobby Ginn uh, had four cars. And then that all condensed to the one in the 42, which is essentially what track house racing is now uh, in the span of a year. And, um, you know, Dario had a horrendous year in NASCAR after winning Indy, winning the IRL championship. 
And then somehow or another, miraculously, the 10 car opened up and then he won three championships, won two Indianapolis 500s. And I think he would have kept on winning championships in Indy 500. He probably would have been the first guy, uh, first international driver to become a four-time Indy 500 winner um, before Alio. But his um, uh, serious accident at Houston at the end of the 2013 season left him um, having to retire from competitive motorsport. And unfortunately we lost him in that sense, but we have him as a lead announcer or analyst on formula E. I hope he would do something that's a little more mainstream that people actually could give a crap about since as much as I talk about formula E, it's not interesting. Um, you know, call indie cars, call SRX. I don't care. Any, anything NASCAR, you know, whatever, anything, uh, be better than calling formula E with Jack Nichols call formula one. Get rid of Danica Patrick and put him in. At least he knows something. At least he drove a Formula One car and tested and whatever. But the whole point, you know, since I'm going on this tangent, there's a lot of moving parts here, Josh. Um, and I guess I, I preface it the same way. What were your initial thoughts when you heard all this stuff go down? And now that we've had a week to really k- kind of digest it and hear some more stuff, what do we take away from that? And I guess who do you? What do you see happening uh, for Alex Pillow? What do you see happening for these two organizations? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, chronologically, um, you know, from my vantage point, the first bit of news to come out was Alex Pillow uh, going out and being re re-signed for next year, exercising their option and uh, continuing to be on the ten car Chip Ganassi, and that seemed normal, right? That was not egregious at all we all assume yeah he'd be back probably uh be you know secure his future over there and he would be the guy uh once uh scott dixon uh gave it up and uh, whenever that will be and he'll be the guy at chip Ganassi racing and then you know, a couple hours later we get the report that oh he this report is false he said it himself and then we get the report that oh he's going to be signed by mclaren it's like what what happened there and now we see that uh they're both claiming their rights to him and it's turned into this mess and it's a he said she said type of deal um regarding all three parties um just a very complicated mess and it looks like uh both sides are gonna have to get their lawyers out and yeah, you know, probably the first time in a while we've had a, a legal case involving an IndyCar driver that uh, involved uh, their status uh, to be able to drive since uh, Helio Castroneves when he uh, got you know, tax evasion with the IRS back in 2008 and uh, nine. So, you know, all that stuff uh, being said, I do think that at the end of the day, uh, Alex Blow is probably going to drive for McLaren next year, but they're going to have to go through uh, litigation or what court trial, whatever. And sure that we'll find out details about the contract in court, uh, whatever gets leaked out in, in the case. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, they'll probably work something out to um, get him in, in an IndyCar seat next year. And if not, then I'm sure he'll have a seat in Formula uh, E, not Formula 1. But, of course, this also does come with the option to be a test driver for Formula 1. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Alex Pillow wanted to be in McLaren, You know, not only being better paid, 
uh, get a pay raise from uh, McLaren, but then also an opportunity that probably would never come with Ganassi to be able to test, uh, at the very least, a, a Formula One car in-house, essentially, since um, you know AMSP is basically uh, you know McLaren Racing and um, adjacent to the Formula One team of McLaren. So all that considered, um, this is probably the deal that Alex Blow wants. Um, not the legal part, of course, but just um, being able to drive for McLaren, and he'll be able to uh, do that whenever that happens. Um, and it looks like, yeah, it could eventually be a super team between uh, Alex Pelot, Pato Award, and Alexander Rossi. So that's um, that's definitely a super team uh, there. But of course, you're gonna have to uh, consider if if it's gonna be able to happen, and um, you know if uh, Pelot stays there long, or does he? use this as an opportunity to jump to formula one um or or jump into formula one so i think for now it could be a super team but um you're gonna have to see a little bit more from the cars as a whole uh i mean they're right up there next to uh you know ganassi and penske but they're not quite above that that hump and you know you saw that at mid ohio with uh, the engine failures that they had uh with both their uh or mechanical failures that they both had with uh award and rosenquest so it's um they still have a little bit to go to be able to be consistently competitive compared to those teams. But I feel like they're probably a team that's on the rise right now in IndyCar. And certainly with a super team like that shows the potential that they could have uh, there. And then of course um, mentioned that, yeah, it could lead to a possible four in the one drive. And you know, where does this uh, lead for Daniel Ricardo? And they've on that end, they've said that Daniel Ricardo and uh, McLaren racing that, that right now they're committed to each other and, Daniel has no intentions of leaving Formula One right now, but uh, we all know that that's probably just all talk and everything, just to cool down the flames of the rumors. And probably about the end of the year, they're going to release an announcement saying that they've mutually agreed to part ways uh, after 2022, um, and you know all all that uh, PR stuff that they fluff that they have to put in there uh, for that statement. And where does that leave Daniel Ricardo? Uh, we don't know yet because. Um, Obviously, there's not a whole lot of open seats right now in Formula One. Uh, if he, if he leaves Formula One, then where does he go? Does McLaren keep him and put him in a Formula E seat, or you know, does he go to IndyCar potentially, take a huge pay cut to go to IndyCar and race in in the states, or you know, potentially does he try to do one-offs in like NASCAR with the uh, Project 91 car with Trackhouse or something like that? Or you know, go sports car racing in WEC if he has that desire, or you know, go anywhere else like that. So it's gonna be interesting. Um, you know, Ricardo obviously is a very talented driver, but just hasn't worked it out yet so far here with McLaren in, in uh, Formula One. Um, and then beyond that, it's uh, the, the future does look murky right now for him uh, beyond uh, this year in Formula One. So um, yeah, a lot of a lot of things that could uh, you know happen here and. You know, on, and you have to also consider Andretti with Brian or with um, not Brian Herta, but uh, Colton Herta um, potentially getting that F1 seat if that happens. You know, a lot of things that could happen. So this is probably the biggest story, in my opinion. You know, we talked about Tyler Reddick's move last night, but I think this is the bigger story because of the legal case, and then also because of the the more moving parts and uh, the you know the total surprise of this move happening. Although I feel like they did foreshadow it earlier in the year. Um, I think there was a report of Pelot possibly leaving, like looking to leave uh, Chip Ganassi. And I feel like a lot of people at the time dismissed that rumor. And as just as 
mere rumor and nothing more than that. And now, you know, that rumor is very real right now. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, definitely going to keep your eye on that for, uh, you know, the remainder of the year. Yeah, that rumor also involves Scott Dixon. And Scott Dixon brought up the fact that Arrow McLaren SP McLaren Racing contacted him and tried to offer him uh, to go and leave. So the notion is they were in the business of trying to build a three-car organization and build the best three-car organization. You have the defending series champion. You have a guy who has won the Indy 500 coming into the fold um, after a few lean years and is an American driver, uh, uh, a guy who's building his personality here and has a fan base. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to bring his main sponsor with him. Uh, that's something that has that's to be told for sure. You have in Alexander Rossi, you have uh, Polo who's trying to make his name and ran Super Formula in Japan and had looks and had people thinking of his talent, but he was a little bit older, fell through the cracks in a lot of ways through the feeder systems, I guess that he wasn't uh, in a contract with anybody in Formula 2 or Formula 3. You have Paddle Award, of course, who's their lead dog um, on the IndyCar side and has been a champion here in in multiple forms of the road to Indy. And, of course, uh, the, and then you have Felix Rosenquist, who's been great in Formula E, has won IndyCar win, um, spoke out about his um, viability this past weekend in Toronto and um, has been very outspoken about his situation relative to Alex Pillow, who, to be fair, Felix Rosenquist was the driver of the 10 car and uh, they let him go or he left or however you want to do it, whatever. He was replaced by Alex Pillow. So I guess it's kind of this circuit. It's all coming back around to where, oh, now you're, gonna take this ride ah no i don't think so um zach brown has got a problem in regards to number of cars relative to the number of drivers he has signed or he thinks he has signed now if ganassi wants to keep polo and he's able to help get polo to come back uh, it's one thing whether polo wants to be there or not it's a whole other thing uh, he there's a reason why people call him cheap and it's not just because of Alex Zanardi's pronouncing pronunciation of his name. Um, he has that uh, has that uh, reputation. Uh, Kyle Larson uh, is one who got signed to a very long term contract. I think there's a few other guys over the years, all the development drivers they had that drove that team into the ground. I don't think they really made a whole hell of a lot of money. Um, I know Dixon has made plenty of money in large part because he's won him a lot of championships and a lot of hardware. Uh, but you don't really hear, and you know, there's certain people that never leave. So those people are obviously compensated well, but then you look at other drivers over time and their compensation and how long they've lasted there. And it would, you could venture to say they don't really get the same kind of treatment. So interesting to see what happens with that. I think I brought it up in, in our little outline myself and Josh have that, if if Ganassi is really looking to go and make that flashy play to make the play that is a long term play, since Alex Pelot does not want to be there, you sign Rina's VK. He's got connections to Ganassi and the fact that Ari Leyendike is is a mentor to him. Ari Leyendike used to drive the ten car way back when, uh, won the Indy five hundred pole, 
1993. Uh, the fact is, Renas VK is one of the best young talents in this sport, and he wants to be an IndyCar. Um, nobody has, for whatever reason, has thought about him for those other series. So it's like, okay, you want a guy you can build around who has a personality. He's a funny guy. He likes to do some gimmicky things, whatever, Lightning McQueen stuff, whatever. He's He's got winning potential, and he has won one race or a couple races, whatever, for Ed Carpenter. The guy he replaced in that team, essentially, I mean, I think it was um, uh, it was Spencer... Spencer Piggott was the driver of that car, and then they got rid of him. But the guy before him, I'm talking about, is now a two-time IndyCar Series champion, has won virtually everything outside of Indy, and is Mr. America. And if you listen to Connor Daly talk about him during the Nashville SRX race, he's subhuman in Joseph Newgarden. Uh, that worked out well for Penske. And... Uh, I think Ganassi, if they were to sign Rena's VK, that would be the same thing. Uh, it would. I would assume he doesn't like signing Americans for whatever reason. So uh, it's hard for me to see him like sign a guy like David Malukas. I don't think David Malukas is going to leave his dad's team, though he does have a lot of talent. Um, Kirkwood's off the table. They're not going to swoop in and sign somebody like Logan Sargent. I think he wants to go to Formula One. It's really at this point about Rina's VK now because he's not going to McLaren and um, with Callum Eilat out there, but he's still connected to Ferrari. Um, he may not have as much flexibility in his movement. And um, I'm trying to think who else is out of contract, really. There's maybe some people in sports cars, might be some Formula E people, or might be Formula One people that may want to come around and, and give it a, a drink a cup of coffee there, at least see what's going on. But I think it comes down to, at this point, it's really Rena's VK and Alex Pillow for the 10 car. And I would assume Rena's VK goes there. And then once that happens, you would see likely the, the rumors have been through multiple um, outlets that I've seen um, out, uh, you know, not like whatever motorsport, whether it's racer, whether it's other um, outlets on socials, it sounds like Ilot would be going to the 21 car. Uh, Connor Daly at the moment would probably keep his ride unless one of these Indy Lights team drivers come in with a big budget to go, uh, whether they win the championship or they go do something else, they bring a big budget. I think Connor Daly is one of the more popular drivers in this sport. And considering the level of what Ed Carpenter Racing is bringing to the table these days, they're not really going to find a driver that's going to be able to compete generally on a week-to-week basis and bring the marketing pull that Connor has. So it's something to see with that. Uh, I believe that Alex Blow will be in an IndyCar next year. I believe that for for McLaren with Alexander Rossi and Pato Award. Um, I think Felix Rosenquist will be the lead driver of Formula E team, and he knows that. And um, Colton Herta, if they decide to pull the plug on um, Daniel Ricciardo, is a lead, a leading favorite to be in that car. Now, it would also mean that it would start the dominoes with all the Andretti Autosport Indy Lights people, and uh, they have so many drivers, I think they probably could pick one of their guys and um, put him in there. It would also put in a play, uh, you know, Ricardo, 
but I doubt Ricardo would come over. I mean, it would make it easier for him to come over here because they have so many entities, Andretti, and with Zach, with the little connection to Zach Brown as well with the United Autosport thing. So then he could do supercars. He could go and do sports cars. He could do, you know, they're trying to go to sports cars. He could do a lot of things. So I think that would be the most feasible likely scenario i figure an indy lights guy it'll be a very young team having replaced their lead drive two lead drivers it would be brutal for andretti autosport grosjean is not really doing a whole hell of a lot here so it would be a interesting time for andretti autosport kirkwood would have a lot of pressure on him to come into that team and essentially have to take over as a lead driver um because de francesco's useless and then um you know Grosjean hits if he doesn't hit the lottery or somebody else it's whatever so it's something that we're gonna see uh for sure as the rest of the season um goes on but let's talk about another guy from Ganassi uh the one of the greatest drivers ever lived Scott Dixon who won his 52nd race of his IndyCar career tying another legend uh, one of the greatest American motorsport drivers ever uh, and greatest drivers ever, Mario Andretti, in uh, getting his 52nd career IndyCar win at uh, Indy Toronto. Massive victory for Scott Dixon. Uh, the Iceman went through and, and did work. It was a great performance by him. Who, um, he qualified well, which has been something that has been a bugaboo for him for uh, the last few years, really, outside of Indianapolis. Uh, he His qualifying prowess has not exactly been there, but he was able to come through, started second, led 40 laps. There was really three cars. There's uh, VK, as I mentioned, on an alternate strategy, uh, started 20th, and led 18 laps. And then Colton Herta, who I brought up here a little bit ago, started on pole and got his first podium in a while as well. Uh, Dixon, Herta, Felix Rosenquist, we brought up all three of those guys so, uh, just in this last part, last segment. Uh, Green Rehaul finished fourth, had his best run in a while, and um, great run for the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan organization. Uh, going to a big weekend for that team since they're a big part of the arrangements at Iowa Speedway. Marcus Erickson, the points leader, gets a top five and uh, adds to his points lead. Uh, Alex Pillow from 22nd after having mechanical problems during qualifying finished sixth. Simon Pagano, seventh after starting 18th. Christian Lundgaard giving Ray Hall RLL two cars in the top eight. Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden rounded out the top 10. Uh, we brought up Pato Award. He finished 11th after starting 15th. Malukas had his best qualifying of his career, but uh, pit strategy and stuff didn't work out as well for him. Started 5th, but finished 12th. Callum Eilat had a great qualifying run as well. Um, crashed, though, um, in practice earlier before that. Still was able to get a 7th just outside of that Firestone Fast 6th. Uh, but only finished 14th. Alexander Rossi uh, got into a crash uh, during the race and uh, was taken out there, and uh, him and Rosenquist made contact, and uh, that 
uh, out of turn, what is it, turn four or something, and um, or turn three, and that basically ended his day. So that was tough for him. He started fourth. He was looking for opportunity there. So Scott Dixon gets the win. It wasn't you know, easy by any stretch of imagination, the usual cautions and all the different things that come with running Toronto first time in a couple of years, rough racetrack and hard to pass, but the Iceman cometh and now he is in the mix for this IndyCar Series Championship. He is only 44 points behind uh, the his teammate Marcus Erickson. He's only seven points behind Alex Pelot. So there's a right now there's a five horse race for the championship. Five guys under four within 44 points with two races going on this weekend. And then you have a further two guys that are within less than 80 points out. Um, I mean, at this point, battle starting to get really tight and the races are running out. They're going to be coming fast and furious here uh, in this period of time, basically starting with the last week of Toronto till um, we get to early September, I think is essentially going to be a run out of races to get to the end of the season there, Josh. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, this race, uh, there wasn't too much that happened, but you know, a lot of significance, of course, and with Scott Dixon tying Mario Andretti and um, I'm sure he's probably going to become the second winning as a driver in IndyCar very soon. Uh, we'll have to see if he can get up to AJ Foyt, but certainly it'd take a lot to get up to 67 wins uh, in IndyCar. Um, he's already over 40, so um, and only two wins so far in the last year for Scott Dixon. But you know, for right now, uh, fourth in points uh, after this race and puts himself, like you said, right into the mix for the championship uh, here coming up uh, as we move on to Iowa. And uh, it's going to be interesting if he can uh, put together two good races at Iowa and uh, move on to, uh, you know, later on in the year when we go, the series goes to Indianapolis for the second Indianapolis Grand Prix and then Nashville, uh, two places. Uh, he's done well at Indianapolis Grand Prix um, and Nashville. Um, we've only run there one time and uh, he's, um, if they carry the success from Toronto to Nashville, I mean, look out, Scott Dixon might be in the shot for the championship, but we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, he's a legendary driver and, you know, finally gets a win this year. He had a 23 race winning, uh, losing streak going back to last year when he won at, uh, the first uh, leg of the double hitter at Texas. Uh, so, you know, finally he gets onto the victory, uh, lane this year after you know, his teammate, uh, uh, not Scott Dixon, but his teammate Marcus Erickson goes out and uh, wins the Indy 500 race that Scott Dixon probably gave away. So now he finally gets his first victory of the year and goes on, uh, puts himself in the championship contention. So yeah, it's a it's a it was an interesting race for sure. And you, I I think um, for guys like Alexander Rossi, who obviously is moving to uh, McLaren, uh, is probably another missed opportunity. Uh, last couple of weeks, of course, he's had a lot of pace. But, you know, another race uh, that's gone wrong for Alexander Rossi getting into it um, and possibly possibly causing that incident himself. Um, He didn't really look like he gave uh, Felix Rosenquist a a lot of room there. Uh, Of course, Rosenquist went on to finish third in this race and still showing that he could get something done in IndyCar, especially uh, since uh, he could be in Formula E next year, uh, potentially. So, uh, 
Rossi is known to drive uh, and race guys fairly closely. And, you know, when you're at a tight street course like this, uh, maybe it's just best uh, to move out of the way, especially uh, when Rosenquist was sending it into the corner after, you know, being very far back and getting a push to pass and getting a draft off of uh, Alex Rossi there. So, um, of course, hurts him in the points because he he was starting to look like maybe a dark horse contender and now uh, loses a lot of points and uh, comes out of this in uh, 11th place and you know not a, it wasn't too long ago uh, that he was like in sixth place or fifth place uh, going into the uh, championship title so now he's um, put himself back out of uh, reach for the championship so it's going to be interesting to see um, you know how it all plays out but uh, you know this this race too you had uh, another incident with uh, Kyle Kirkwood and Jimmy Johnson uh, Jimmy getting uh, spun out at this race uh course trying to trying to have a good finish and Kyle Kirkwood uh, got into him in the, the last corner so uh, probably rookie mistake on Kyle Kirkwood's uh, end and then of course Jimmy Johnson still trying to get experience on the road courses here and the street courses and um, you saw there's a video online uh, Jimmy clearly downshifting a lot earlier and breaking a lot earlier earlier than uh, what uh, the other drivers were and that's you know part of his struggle trying to drive the Indy car and drive it deeper into the corner than a stock car. So uh, that's you're still seeing that, uh, especially if you listen closely as uh, he drives by with the street course uh, where a lot of fans are, where road course where you have a lot of fans of the corners. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's a great race to, you know, be back in for Toronto, of course, not being on the schedule the last two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic and uh return to the series uh with uh it being in toronto and now uh, scott dixon wins so a lot of a lot of big moments that you know happened in this race for sure is and now we move on and go forward to uh the indianapolis road or to iowa and then the indianapolis road course later this month so yeah that's um pretty interesting and we'll see how it plays out in indycar yeah i mean we had uh the loss of the rocket sponsorship going away which has affected the 14 team uh, for sure, uh, they were relying on that sponsorship, and then their second car with that disappeared as well. You can tell that the AJ Foyt team is kind of um, destabilized. You add the fact that Kirkwood has got one eye of on taking over the 27 car, and then you have one eye on trying to finish out your rookie year. So it's not exactly the best place right now to be AJ Foyt racing. So tough times for them. Um, you know, hats off to Green Rehall. Uh, Courtney is close to giving birth to their second child. And I think that's they're going to have a boy this time. So uh, that's a big deal for them. I know that's a, that's on his mind. I, he wants to make sure that, you know, baby and mom are healthy with all that. Of course, you have Harlan, you know, being there. And Graham was very outspoken after the race. Uh, on one hand, he was trying to recruit Felix Rosenquist, but then on the other hand, he's trying to dispel all the the talk of how people talk about him, which, you know, some of it has. I, I've been on and off Graham Ray Hall fan. Uh, it's hard. He doesn't make it very easy to be a fan of him. Um, when you go years without winning races, it also is kind of a thing. Um, he's not as bad as Marco is. Uh, by any stretch of imagination, but um, they have a lot of money and they seem to be very successful outside of the car. So, and 
they have hot wives, so I guess they're doing all right with their lives. But I think Graham wants to go out there and win a race here by the end of this year, get this team on track. Um, his boy, you know, boy Jack Harvey's been god-awful all year in that 45 car. Um, that decision, instead of going for like Oliver Askew or somebody else, even root beer float head. One of those two guys would have been better than Jack Harvey, but Jack Harvey and him are close friends and the wives are friends. So that's probably why they signed him for that car. Um, the signing of, of Lundgaard, uh, it was solid. He's had his moments. I think he's only going to get better. I mean, he's very raw. So I think that as long as the cars get better, he'll get better. Uh, the, Point standings uh, going into the doubleheader at Iowa. They'll race on Saturday, 250 laps, and then they'll run 300 laps on Sunday, both in the afternoon. So um, God bless everybody that's going out to Newton, Iowa, in the middle of the day for two races. Um, it would be similar to what I would end up doing on Pocono on Sunday, sitting out there for eight hours before the race starts if I get out there, God willing, um, meet up with Joe and some other people. But Iowa, it's going to be boiling hot there. It's going to be boiling hot in, in Pocono as well. Marcus Erickson leads the points by 35 over Will Power at a rough weekend. Alex Pillow is only two points behind Will Power, so 35 and 37 points. New Garden is 44 points back in fourth, uh, has three wins. All of them, his three podiums are all wins, so that's interesting. Um, Scott Dixon gets his first win and moves himself up to fifth in points. Paddle Award is 75 points back in sixth. Scott McLaughlin, 77 points back in seventh. Newgarden and McLaughlin, the two multiple race winners this year. Pelos, the only driver in the top eight that hasn't won a race so far in 2022. You have Rosenquist and Pagano rounding out the top 10, but they're over 100 points back. I think Rossi is the last person that's kind of in play. Uh, he's had two podium finishes this year, but Josh mentioned he's fallen back to 11th. He's 115 points out. So, you know, you have, you're at 10 races in, you have another, what is it, uh, seven races to go. So we're definitely on the home stretch. You're going to have three races in short Succession or f yeah, four races in sort in a short time, two ovals, a uh, permanent road course, and a street course. Then you'll have a couple weeks off, go to Gateway for a night oval race, then a couple weeks off before the the West Coast uh, closeout at Portland and Laguna Seca. So this series is going to be over really, really quick. This IndyCars, if you really want to know what's going to happen, uh, it's it's going to happen real quick. Um, the, the I guess one other thing before we move forward, I I was tuning into it. Of course, it was a fully online weekend this past weekend. Everything was on the Peacock Premium service. It's four ninety nine, so you're able to see all the sessions. You're able to see the race with very limited commercial in interruption. Kevin Lee was the lead uh, announcer because Lee Diffie was calling the track and field championships since it seems like he's become their guy for that uh, with Otto Bolton or Bolden or whatever the hell his name is. Um, they seem to have a good chemistry there. I'm not sure, Josh, if you were able to catch any 
thing during the weekend if we caught the race itself. But I, I thought it was solid. I mean, of course, you're going to have the things that come with streaming. You might have some freezing situations. You might have some things missed. But thought the quality wasn't bad. And it kind of speaks to where certain things are going, like NFL Red Zone or, or the Sunday ticket package is going to a streaming service for from what all rumors are saying or being spoken about, I think. So that's something that we're both plays a role in for our, for our fandom. But also with this, I think streaming and having that opportunity for alternative announcing options for alternative camera views, they did it at Indy with ESPN ABC for years, but I think this isn't a bad idea, honestly, and I, and it wasn't a bad um, rollout. It's unfortunate that that's where we're at with IndyCar because they had the Open Championship at St. Andrews past weekend where Rory's heart was uh, ripped out of his chest by Cameron Smith. Um, and then you had NASCAR in New Hampshire, which you could put on streaming and nobody would give a fuck. I mean, I'm a Northeast guy, and I've watched New Hampshire races and that race was boring as fuck. You could have put that thing on a VHS tape and nobody would have missed anything. How about Betamax? Um, <laughs> yeah, Betamax, whatever, 8-track, anything. It doesn't matter. You know, like there's no way to make... There's only one race that NASCAR is involved with that is interesting at New Hampshire. It's the modified race. That's the one they should have on TV. Not the tape delayed or whatever. Show the modified race. And then and put the NASCAR Cup race and Xfinity on tape delay. Nobody gives a fuck. Like, I've gotten to that point. And that's the same way. Like it, It's where you need to be there. What's great about the Northeast is I think all the Northeast circuits, you have to go there, which is a call to action for me, to actually go to all these places. Because it's better to watch the race live than it is to watch it on TV because you're never going to see everything. And it's not going to be as good um unless you go live and i mean that's just the truth of racing um tv doesn't do it justice but um with a lot of these circuits we have here on the northeast it that's definitely the case Ugh. what were your yeah. thoughts on the pro- product and the presentation that we got this past weekend at toronto yeah i mean i think it's, it's normal i mean the broadcast itself it's like any other indycar broadcast but of course less commercials uh, that we saw on TV, of course, being on the streaming platform. And um, I, I think the bigger discussion there is, you know, why was NASCAR and IndyCar scheduled at relatively the same time? I think even the announcers were pretty shocked themselves, like leading into this weekend, because I remember you know, last weekend, Rick Allen announcing that, hey, IndyCar and NASCAR are going to be at the same time. You could kind of tell from their voices that uh, last week when they're racing that, Oh, this race is gonna be scheduled at the same time on you know essentially the same network, and they're drawing viewership from each other. So um, I think on on that end, um, I don't understand why they couldn't have uh, NASCAR at twelve o'clock or IndyCar at twelve o'clock, and then NASCAR at three o'clock, and you know try to maximize the viewership there. And then on the other end of it, you know you talk about IndyCar racing on streaming platform where you have NASCAR on the cable network and. I would argue that it should probably be the other way around because NASCAR is the bigger platform and um, you're probably going to have, if you're trying to um, boost up the viewership for uh, 
Peacock or try to get people to get onto Peacock. Well, if you have NASCAR on there, then people will get onto it. Although I'm sure, you know, there will be a lot of people that complain about it. Just I'm sure there's a lot of people in IndyCar that probably complained about uh, the racing being put onto the streaming platform. But um, it's a you know, really accessible way uh, to be able to watch it because you can just download the app and sign in um, and then watch the race from your phone here laptop tv wherever uh so you know that's what i had um for me and there was some buffering issues but i feel like it was probably just my internet for some reason because i also had the nascar race on on my computer i was streaming the indy car on my tv and i uh, had nascar on on the on the computer monitor so maybe it was uh, taking up too much bandwidth uh, on my end uh, trying to scream in the highest quality but on both ends so that's probably what was happening and then i was also in a voice chat with some friends on discord and so that was probably also taking away from bandwidth there but that's just my experience so um i think the platform itself you know is pretty good um personally i probably um will try to figure out a way to get it for free because i do have connections with uh xfinity through my family so i wonder if i can just cancel my plan for peacock and then just hop on their xfinity account and make a peacock account there and then if it you know since it's already free for xfinity customers then i can just get it from there and you know save five bucks a month but you know if you don't have xfinity then yeah you should definitely download uh peacock and get all the amazing content on there besides you know live streaming indycar races they had the dale jr's uh his download 30 minute format show and then you also have lost speedways and all the other tv shows from nbc that you probably like like the office parks and rec and uh, everything else so um yeah definitely try to get peacock and not an advertisement but just saying you know it's a it's a good decision to make in general i think the good value since espn plus and that whole th- espn plus sounds it seems like they're going up in price i i think i read that they're going up three dollars a month on their service so you're better off getting the Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and whatever the other thing they have for $13.99, I think, is probably Hulu. the Yeah, the Hulu deal. Um, that's, that's probably all with ads the, still. With ads, okay. So, yeah, all right. Um, I don't know. Um, have to go and look at that. that. So ESPN is trying to go and hedge. They're trying to make up for the ridiculous salaries they paid uh, Buck and Aikman, amongst other people. And then paying for all the terrible bowl games they're going to have when there's only two conferences in college football. But um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't. It I was basically I had the the cup race on one t. I had it on TV. I had the IndyCar race going on over here. I essentially was listening to the IndyCar race based on the condition I was in, and I was just kind of sort of half watching the cup race on mute. Uh, which is unfortunate since Dale Jr. was the lead announcer. So they slowed down. They slowed down his uh, um, announcing. Someone posted it on Twitter, and they made it like one and a half speed or half speed. And he was like, he said he was crying, laughing, listening to himself talking slower. So um, Dale Jr. as a lead announcer isn't a bad thing. Uh, he did a great job. They had a great chemistry. The three of them uh, might tell you all you need to know. Uh, I don't think Jeff Burton really adds much of anything to the table. Uh, and I also think Rick Allen sucks, but you put Alan Bestwick with Dale Jr. and Steve Letard, I think they'd be just fine. I also believe that if you put Dale Jr. with Dale Jarrett and Alan Bestwick or with Rick Allen, they'd be fine. And you have Kyle Petty and Steve Letard down there on the pit box and you make them more of a piece of the action 
um, having their ability to kind of call in during the race, I think that would play a bigger part than them just sitting out there. You're you're not really using uh, their talent properly, but that's NBC for you. I mean, at least they have talent. Um, Fox really doesn't have any, uh, so that's what it is. It's why Fox sucks at covering sports and every covering anything that involves um, life. Um, they make good TV shows, though, but um, they definitely are not good at sports or any other real entity that matters um, in that case. All right, so let's change it to CBS and the SRX. Um, great weekend for the Stewart family since uh, Anthony Wayne won his now, what is a third dirt race out of three in uh, SRX competition, winning at his buddy Kenny Schrader's uh, I-55 Speedway in Peavely, Missouri. It was boiling hot. They had issues with all the heat and all that, but Tony Stewart led every lap in the main event, beating his uh, boy Marco Andretti uh, for the win. And Kenny Schrader gets a podium in the all-star car. Uh, Brian Newman finished fourth. Greg Biffle fifth. Ernie Francis finished sixth. Uh, So that was uh, a good day for them. Bobby Labonte entered the race as a points leader, had a rough night. Um, Brian Newman got in the wrecks and stuff with Paul Tracy, uh, of course, because, you know, why wouldn't Paul Tracy be involved in the wreck? Uh, He's because he's a hack. Uh, Marco Andretti did have issues in the second heat, but was still able to recover and get back to second in the main event. Um, Haley Deegan, who got uh, got stalked by one of the one of the pedophile uh, YouTubers because she just turned eighteen or twenty one or something. I don't know. Whatever, it was some sort of weird post he made about her, and then she ethered him. She was in this race. Um, was totally irrelevant, which is what her career is, if it didn't involve her swallowing. Um, Yeah, so Smoke wins. Marco takes the points lead into the series finale for this year at uh, Sharon Speedway in Ohio, which will see the Blaney's. It is the Blaney's home, the family racetrack. Dave Blaney, the Buckeye Bullet, owns the racetrack. I'm sure you're going to see uh, Dale, if he isn't driving a sprinter somewhere. I figure Dale will be there. Uncle Dale will be there. And young Ryan Blaney is going to make his uh, debut in the SRX uh, on Saturday night at uh, Sharon Speedway in the finale. Marco Andretti get, comes into that race with an eight-point lead over Ryan Newman. Tony Stewart has a chance to defend his title He's 13 points back, and Bobby Labonte is 15 points back. Uh, Newman, Stewart, and Labonte all have or have won a, a race itself. Stewart and Labonte have also won a heat this year, along with their race wins. Smoke has led the most laps. Uh, shocking, considering some of the races he's had uh, this year uh, in this series. But... It's weird. Some of the people have led laps and some ones that didn't um, during the season across all the different races they have. But, um, and was it Alio? Yeah, he has one win and he has won two, two stages or whatever heats and he's 11th in points. So he's run three races. Kanan 
is 15 points behind all Tracy. So uh, Michael Waltrip, Brian Hunter Ray have run every race and they're behind a guy who's not run every race. So that's pretty bad. Um, Paul Tracy's actually ahead of people. So yeah, he's not the absolute drizzling shits. Uh, He's, he was glad that, that Willie T ribs was racing there last year. So we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Hopefully uh, Sharon Speedway, whether everything goes all right with that. And we'll get to see the finale of season two of SRX come through and maybe Marco Andretti wins a championship. That'll be something. I guess hell will freeze over. Uh, in World Superbike, they ran at Donington Park this past weekend. Top- Toprak Rask Gatlioku, the defending world champion, gets his first win of 2022 in race one over Johnny Ray, who announced he's going to run another two years for the Kawasaki racing team. His teammate, Alex Lowe's rounds out the podium. Scott Redding, fourth. Axel Bassani, fifth. Garrett Gerloff finished seventh in race one, and that was the highlight of the weekend for him. Uh, In the Super Pole race, Raskatlioku gets the win over Ray Redding. Then Alvaro Bautista, who had crashed in race one while leading, um, Alex Lowe's fifth, Gerloff finished 10th. And then in race two, Raskatlioku wins. So he gets a full sweep of the weekend, all three races, the two races in the Super Bowl race, uh, or gets a double or whatever, but he gets a clean sweep. Alvaro Bautista recovers for second, Johnny Ray third, Michael Ruben Rinaldi fourth, Scott Redding fifth, Lowe's sixth, Bassani was seventh. And Gerloff finished 11th in the uh, second race. In the points, Johnny Ray had a big weekend, gained 19 points on Alvaro Bautista based on he was 19 points better during the weekend than Alvaro Bautista and now has cut the gap to 17 going into um, the next race at Autodromo Most. Uh, which is um, looks like Yugoslavia, some one of them, uh, Eastern European countries. There, um, then Top Toprak Raskat Lioku is now back in the points battle. Huge gain, gain points on both Johnny Ray and Alvaro Bautista. He is only forty three points out of the championship. It is definitely a three horse race. Uh, it it was a two horse race. Now it is a three horse race again. Uh, Locatelli, Ruben Rinaldi, Lecuona, and Lowe's are separated by 18 points. And then after that, it's kind of laughable. Gerloff missed a race. He's 12th in points. He's 40 out of 8th. So take it for what you will in that. But um, it's been a rough year uh, for him in, in that sense. Getting into the IMSA at Lime Rock Park this past weekend, it's uh, it was the IMSA GT and uh, the GT uh, classes, so GTD Pro and GTD Regular um, saw uh, the winners were Matt Campbell and Matthew Jaminet for the FAF Motorsports number nine plaid Porsche by 1.883 seconds over the harder racing Aston Martin of Ross Gunn and Alex Riberas. Uh, 
Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacle for Vassar Son of Sullivan Lexus finished third. They were just over four seconds behind. The winners of GTD were the BMW team of Paul Miller Racing, Jersey uh, Jersey team, Brian Sellers and Madison Snow get the dub. They get it over Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martin. So Harder Racing gets two double second place finishes. And then Robert McGinnis and Jeff Westfall, they got destroyed at Watkins Glen a few weeks ago. Um in an LMP3 RG Bargy situation or LMP2 RG Bargy situation. They recover this weekend, finish third in class, um, just ahead of Michael Skeen and Stephen McAleer in the Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes. So that was good there for those guys. Uh, Ryan Eversley, fan favorite. Um, Aiden Reed had uh, issues. They were running well, though. Uh, Connor D. Filippi, John Edwards for the RLL BMW team also had issues along with Robbie Foley and Bill Arberlin, Turner Motorsport, BMW, and the home game at Lime Rock Park, the FCP Euro Northeast Grand Prix. The points going into the next race in uh, the calendar here, the next race will be Road America here in uh, just under just over two weeks time the weekend will start there so they'll have all the classes there going on the points see uh trying to go and bring this up because they have this is a point standing so in gtd pro matt campbell matthew jaminet have a 50 point lead on the corvette team of antonio garcia and jordan taylor jack hawksworth and ben barnacote are Third in points, they are, I think, 80 behind the FAF Motorsports duo in um, the uh, GTD uh, Pro category. And then in GTD, the points leader is Steven McAleer, uh, oh, by, what is it, 14, 34 points over Ryan Hardwick and Jan Halen in the uh, Wright Motorsport Porsche. A big loss of points for Bill Oberlin and Robbie Foley. They're now, what is it, 109, 129 back of Stephen McAleer um, in third. Monacalvo by himself in fourth. And then Roman DeAngelis rounds out the top five. Westfall, McGinnis are sixth. They're only two points behind Roman DeAngelis, so that's interesting. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, drivers at. Um, we'll talk about the guys at uh, Road America when they have the whole field together for what used to be a one of the big ones, one of the majors that used to be uh, the Road America. I think Road America 500 kilometer race there for many years. So big race there. All the classes will run, of course. Uh, at road america talking about the cadillac gtp lmdh car testing along with acura uh, doing their testing as we lead towards that debut here at the rolex 24 next january or next december this december so it's on it's coming soon guys so something that we're going to see cool to see cars that are going to be able to compete at Le Mans and vice versa coming up 
along the way. NHRA, we had uh, uh, racing at Denver, the first part, the first of the Western Swing, first race of the Western Swing. Saw Tony, I said it was a great weekend for the Stewarts. It was true because Tony won on Saturday, flew to Denver and watched Leah win, Leah Pruitt win her first race um, as a theoretically a car owner and driver on Sunday in the top fuel at Mopar's house at Bandemir Speedway in the Mopar parts uh, builds Dodge Power Brokers Mile High Nationals. And uh, she gets the win in top fuel. Robert Height gets yet another win in funny car. Matt Hartford in pro stock and Matt Smith in pro stock motorcycles. So all those were all those four have the opportunity to sweep the Western swing. It's a historic thing to do. Um, it's something that hasn't really been done all that much. So we'll see what happens with that. They'll be racing this weekend uh, at Sonoma at uh, Denso and HRA Sonoma Nationals. And then the following week, they'll be in Seattle, the Flavor Pack Northwest Nationals. And then they'll take a break before doing a back-to-back at uh, Heartland Park, Topeka, and uh, Brainerd. And uh, Topeka got moved back. They used to be in April or whatever, or March or April or whatever. And now they're in uh, August with Brainerd. And then that leads into the U.S. Nationals. So we're getting we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of this season. Uh, so those teams that want to go and get the win, get the points, get themselves into a position to compete for this championship, we're cutting down to the uh, uh, end of the line here. Leah Pruitt gets the win, uh, going rounds, gets launches herself right into the points. Not, I mean, obviously not to win the regular season. Uh, she is 337 points out, but she is essentially around ahead of three drivers that are behind her. And she's a couple, what is it? Two and a half rounds, three rounds behind Josh Hart, who's fifth in points. So um, Mike Salinas leads the points by 10 over Brittany Force. Justin Ashley is uh, 92 points back, though so he's less than five rounds back. Um, Antron Brown, Tony Schumacher right now are outside of the cutoff. Um, I think the way it works is as long as you show up for every race and you make two qualifying runs, you make the playoff, though. So there is an opportunity for those two champion drivers. Tony Schumacher has won all these championships in top fuel, making a return this year. Antron Brown, in his first year as a car owner, has struggled. But, you know, so has Doug Coletta. In, in the first year with uh, Alan Johnson helping uh, their organization. So it's something to see what happens with that. You got a lot of good drivers there that are struggling in the top fuel category. Pite goes and gets the win and extends his points lead nearly is 95 points, so nearly five rounds on Matt Hagen. Um, Ron Caps is 166 points back in third. So it's really getting out there to where um, Robert Height's going to likely win the regular season, get those bonus points. John Force is fourth. Chad Green uh, lead is the cutoff, the uh, last driver in the top 10. So good job by him. 
Uh, I think Jim Campbell and Blake Alexander have shown up to every race, but I can't be certain on that. But we'll see how it goes in regards to the points as we get towards closer to the U.S. Nationals. Enders has a 35-point lead on Aaron Stanfield. Uh, Matt Hartford getting that win gets him ahead of Camry Caruso. Um, kind of gets him in the mix there because there's a just a real uh, glut of drivers from fourth to eighth that are essentially separated by 50 points. So that's something to see. Um, Troy Coughlin Jr. is in 10th, but he's only got a three-point lead on Bo Butner and a six-point lead on Fernando Quadra Jr., 25 on Christian Quadra. So um, the, I think, as, as I mentioned, uh, the rules are if you show up to every race, make at least two qualifying runs, and uh, you're going to get into the playoffs. So we'll see how that all works. Matt Smith inserts himself into this Pro Stock Motorcycle Championship. Steve Johnson leads by 10 over Angel Sampe. Matt Smith is 19 points back. Joey Gladstone, 46. Angie Smith, 58. Karen Stouffer, 59. And Eddie Krawick, 91. So there's plenty to go through. There's still half a season to go in uh, Pro Stock Motorcycle. There's actually half the season to go in all all four categories have been. So it says following event 11 to 22, but I don't know how many races they've done. Um, Jimmy Underdahl is the cutoff. Ryan Ayler is the closest person to him there. So we'll see how the Western swing goes. We'll talk about it next week on the GSP, um, what happens there in more detail. Uh, or, well, we'll see how much detail we really need to have. The fact is Leah Pruitt won, so I had to really talk about it after Tony won uh, on Saturday. Formula E raced in Brooklyn, Red Hook section of Brooklyn. Uh, yet again, what possibly would be the last time they'll be racing there um, due to some of the other additions in the calendar. Nick Cassidy gets the win in race one over Luca Degrassi and Robin Freins. Toffel Van Dorn and Sebastian Buemi round out the top five. In race one, in race two, Antonio Felix da Costa wins over Stoffel Van Dorn. Mitch Evans rounds out the podium. Alexander Sims for Mahindra gets a fourth. Uh, Sam Bird fifth for Jaguar. Robin Freins finished sixth. Defending world champion Nick DeVries finished seventh, so he's had a couple top tens. Jake Dennis for Andretti Autosport finished eighth. Eduardo Matara entered the race. I think he was on the periphery of the top ten in both of those races. And they, after this weekend, uh, this past weekend at Brooklyn and the U.S. round of the Formula E championship, uh, we see Stoffel Van Dorn retake the points lead for Mercedes EQ. Um, that team will be sold to McLaren. So that's a team that and their entity and everything that's going on um, will be um, given uh, to McLaren. And that's if I feel it's Rosenquist, whether it's Alex below, whether it's somebody else, that's what that team's going to be getting. Van Dorn is up by 11 points over Eduardo Matara. He's 16 points up on Mitch Evans. And then um, Jean-Eric Verne is 27 points back and forth, the multiple champion of this series. So Mortara 
none of all the top three, four of the top five have not won this championship before. Jean Eric Verne, Antonio Felix de Casa, Lucas Degrassi, Nick DeVries have all won the uh, Formula E championship at some point in their career. So it's something to see um, in the top eight. And essentially, uh, right now, there's four rounds to go. So I think it it basically comes down to those eight guys. Uh, but really, the top four is in a battle. Uh, but the eight guys, those are the ones that really probably have a chance uh, if they can really put something together. Going into Formula 2 and W Series, I'll, I'll keep it simple with the W Series. Uh, Jamie Chadwick has won every race this year. I will assume that you would go and win at Paul Ricard as well, um, just to give it the fairness it deserves. Um, in W Series, the point standings going into this weekend's race, Abby Pulling is second. She's 49 points beyond Jamie Chadwick, but she's 11 points ahead of Emma Kimmelainen and uh, Betske Visser is fourth, and Alice Powell is fifth, Marta Garcia is sixth. The um, Chloe Chambers, the American, is twelfth. Uh, there are four drivers that have not scored a point so far this year in the four races that have taken place, so we'll see if those drivers can score points, if Chloe Chambers can actually get some more points. Uh, it would be good uh, to back her uh, herself up considering her teammate has won every race, but to be fair, Jamie Chadwick probably shouldn't be in the series anyway. Um, it looks like the Williams development drivers are better than at least one of the drivers they employ in the formula one series, but, um, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, in formula two, speaking of that, Logan Sargent has had, uh, three consecutive weekends of outscoring Lipe Drogovic, the points leader. He was a runaway points leader. He had um, the first five weekends of Formula 2. He had wins and he had big points hauls. Uh, Teo Pocher was the only one that was kind of in his vicinity. Both Sargent and Pocher had issues at Saudi, uh, which helped Drogovic give his gap get the gap that he has. Um, Pocher has had four great weekends and three terrible ones. Uh, Logan Sargent's had three great weekends in a row, four, I mean, I guess all right weekends, and then four weekends to throw away. Um, three bad, four, three bad, or throw, four bad or throw away weekends for Teo Pocher. Drogovic has scored every weekend, which is probably part of the reason why even when he's had bad weekends, he's still scored points. So going into this weekend at Paul Ricard in the two races, Logan Sargent is second in points after winning another race at uh, Austria. He is uh, 39 points behind Felipe Drogovic. Teo Pocher is 40 points behind in third. And then Jehan Deruvula Enzo Fittipaldi round out the top five. The battle between, um, from Daruvla to Liam Lawson is 20 points, so fourth to 10th. And then um, adding Frederick Vesti to the mix, it's 44 points. So that's that's possible to be made up in, uh, you can make up a lot of points in a weekend between the sprint and the um, uh, feature race if you do a good enough job, so... That's where the points are at 
with that going into uh, next this weekend's race at uh, Paul Ricard. And then, you, of course, you're going to have um, Hungary next week, which we will discuss here on the GSP. Uh, Josh, uh, we'll uh, throw it back to you now. Um, Iowa Speedway, first time in a couple of years. They're racing Indy cars at the track. Uh, thought we had lost it. We weren't going to ever see it come back to Indy cars or motorsport in general. I wish they would run trucks in Xfinity there. Um, it's a tough racetrack. It, uh, there's a lot of character. It's very rough. Arca ran there earlier this year. Um, they ran and brand Brockshot Jones won. Ty Gibbs ran the, and won a race there last year. Last two years he's ran there. I'm trying to see a 19 was the last time Trucks ran there. 19 was the last time Xfinity ran there. And Chase Briscoe won uh, his, I think it was his first career race there in 2019 in the Xfinity series. And um, so they had Arca East there. And then they had, I guess that's what it counts as, is Arca Menard and Arca East. Okay, yeah. And then um, last time a West series because they had West and Pro Series, yeah. And then IndyCar, they ran in 2020. They ran a double header with Simon Pagino coming from 23rd to win the first race. And then Joseph Newgarden winning his third, winning his third race at uh, Iowa Speedway. So there is history for the series there, but it's been a couple of years. Um, I, I guess the question is, what are you thinking? Who are you looking at for this race? Um, some of the people that we should look at for Iowa Speedway on the oval, the next to last oval, uh, they'll have two races and the heat and in the midst of a great points battle. Yeah. I think as far as drivers that you should probably be looking at, I think you got to start off with, uh, Joseph Newgarden and, you know, Joseph Newgarden has been pretty well at this track. Of course, like you said, three wins, uh, at Iowa Speedway. He also won at uh, he also won at uh, Texas earlier this year, um, and I think he's probably probably one of the favorites for this race uh, coming up. Uh, both both events really uh, through the weekend. Uh, I feel like you can't also ignore Marcus Erickson. Marcus Erickson won at the Indy 500, and uh, so far it looks like uh, Chips Ganassi has uh, done really well on the oval tracks uh, so far this year. Um, I think Scott McLaughlin, another guy that uh, potentially could be someone that could do well. Of course, this is going to be his first appearance uh, at Iowa Speedway. Uh, did not race there last year um, or in uh, 2020. So uh, Scott uh, McLaughlin be his first time racing ever here at uh, Iowa Speedway. So it's going to be interesting. This uh, track is very rough. It has a lot of character, like you said. And tire wear is going to be a, a factor at this racetrack. And uh, expect them. Um, tires to matter in the end if you ever get a caution uh go back to 2014 uh ryan hunter ray went and took tires at the very end of the race and managed to pass everybody within like the last uh, 10 laps or so uh after the last caution having good tires uh so that's going to be a very important factor especially in the heat uh should uh, add a lot to the tire wear aspect so we could see a lot of lines being taken uh through the corners you have uh Drivers trying to search for grip in the low line and in the high line and maybe even in the middle too. So it's going to be interesting to see this uh, play out. Um, I think you also need to look out for 
Um, some other guys that in the series that have done well at Iowa uh, in the past, uh, Scott, you know, we already talked about, yeah, Scott Dixon, another guy that's on ovals that has done really well on ovals that um, expect to be up there. Uh, Colton Herta could be a factor, I feel like, at this racetrack. Um, I think you should probably look at both Aero McLaren cars this weekend. You know, last year, or not last year, but the last time that they raced at this uh, uh, place at Iowa, uh, the Aero McLaren SP cars uh, did really good uh, in in uh, both their cars. You had Oliver Askew and Pato Award uh, go on a really interesting tire strategy, and Pato Award ended up leading 30 laps in that event uh, the last time that they uh, race at Iowa, uh, and could have been a threat to win. I think he just ran out of time, but he had good tires at the end of the race. Uh, there, uh, Connor Daly might be another driver to look at. Uh, he won the pole the last time that they raced at Iowa, uh, on the first night of racing there. Um, this is a track that could, could be well for him. Um, especially, you know, racing with the, uh, ECR team at Carpenter racing. Um, they, you know, are obviously, a uh, team that special specializes in uh, old racing, so definitely expect them to possibly be up front. Maybe uh, Simon Pagano uh, can make something of it. Uh, Alex Rossi, uh, Elio Castroneves uh, has won here in the past as well. This is his last uh, IndyCar win prior to uh, winning the Indy 500. Uh, you know, winning back in uh, uh, 2017, I believe, uh, in uh, Iowa prior to, or 2016, prior to his, uh, you know, final win so far in his career at Indianapolis. So, um, he could be a factor. And then of course, you know, you talk about, uh, Jimmy Johnson who, uh, did well at Texas earlier this year, uh, did well at the month of May up until the Indianapolis 500. Um, now first time racing on a short track, like Iowa did not race ever in Iowa as, as a stock car racer. Um, can he do well at a track uh, that's very similar in design to Richmond? This uh, racetrack, very, very similar uh, design, uh, in part inspired by Richmond Raceway. So, uh, could could he do a, uh, something here at this racetrack? We've seen how he's done at Richmond in NASCAR, uh, very similar driving track uh, to that track. So, could he have something uh, here in the cards for Richmond? I think it's going to depend on the car, um, how well he can adapt to the tire wear. He might be a guy that you have to look out for here. Uh, this racetrack has multiple grooves, and Jimmy is very good at finding multiple grooves and you know figuring out which one has the best lane. So we could could see a possible top 10, I think, is on the line this weekend for uh, driver number 48. So um maybe maybe even a you know a top five or something if he's able to uh you know have a good car and uh see how things play out so um it, it's gonna be interesting and uh and you know, going back to this race there's gonna be two races so um you know not only are we gonna see something on on sun on saturday but then also on sunday so uh two good days of racing for the fans a lot of value there uh, and the ticket a 250 mile race and then a 300 mile race so um the fans gonna get a lot of value in their ticket by going to uh, both events uh, seeing indy cars plus to the support series as well so uh, it's gonna be a really good weekend of racing i think for fans that go to the iowa speedway Something to watch and something I just caught on the IndyCar site itself. Um, the qualifying that will take place on Saturday morning, and you'll see it on Peacock Premium, and you can listen to it on the IndyCar Radio Network. They'll race one qualifying spots will be set on lap one, and lap two qualifying will set 
your spot for race two. And in um, the race on Saturday is 250 laps. The second, the race on Sunday will be 300 laps. So busy weekend for the men and women that work on the cars. Tough weekend for the drivers having to stay hydrated and make sure um, they're all right. Bless you. Um, And, um, you know, going and trying to make things happen in those, the heat Uh, fans have to stay uh, cool. Some of the IndyCar fandom on social media talking about how they're going to stay cool. Um, have to take a lot of those same thoughts into the race if I were to go to Pocono myself. But um, everything that Josh brought up, I mean, New Garden is the favorite. Did you, you pick New Garden, right? Um, do you yeah, have a wild I, I card? Picked him, I picked him to, I, I'm going to pick him to win. Yeah, because uh, I think he's the favorite. And like like I yeah. said, uh, being being a three-time winner at this racetrack, and I think he's the strongest uh, overall in ovals um, so far this year outside of Indianapolis. Of course, we only raced the Texas, that's the other oval. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick, yeah, Joseph Newgarden, and then I'm going to pick Jimmy as a wild card uh, here this weekend. Okay. I, I'll, because, I mean, that's, that's the chalk one. I'll pick Scott Dixon, so I'll be my chalk. And my wild card, just based on the statistics is um jack harvey it's the high v weekend um he's had two races at iowa speedway and he's finished in the top 10 both times he has an average start of seven and a half and an average finish of seven so he basically starts seventh and he he finished i think he started eighth and he's finished and sixth or no that would be seven there's like eighth and whatever sixth and or seventh and tenth or some shit like that yeah and then whatever the hell it is um jack harvey needs a good run i mean i think paddle awards a good call um green rehaul it's one of his better racetracks i mean he hasn't won a race in five years uh it's a big weekend for a hall letterman landing and racing they're a big part of the promotion of this race and um i think he wants to go and have a good run he has two different sponsors on his car uh, I forget what vodka company that they support. It's a company that's out. I, I don't know if they're a, yeah, they're, it's a high it's Dale Jr. The High Rock Vodka yeah. Car. So Dale Jr.'s vodka company. It's so pretty good vodka, I have to say. I went and bought it a couple weeks ago. It's actually yeah, pretty good. I have to see if they have it around here because there's stuff like Tim Smith Moonshine they don't have everywhere around here, and I wanted to sample it. And it's the same thing. Like I wanted the. I was trying, I asked uh, a friend of mine to go and get that, like, um, whatever the the summer, whatever the, what's the one that Dale Jr. has that, like, uh, the summertime cream or something, whatever the, the he has some drink with that company. Too. Oh, Sugarland like Shine? Sugarland Shine, and he had some sort of, like, um, well, sipping cream or something. I wanted one of those. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it was, like, some... Uh, moonshine i think that he had in collaboration like orange cream or something yeah that's yeah yeah that's flavor. what it was i wanted yeah. i wanted one of them them deals because and yeah and my friend wasn't able to find it and he went out to like virginia or tennessee or something yeah. couldn't find it so i think if you go to total wine if you is that that's a popular franchise for um uh alcoholic beverages uh or li- that's a popular liquor store um, I, yeah, if you have one of those in your area, 
um, you should be able to find High Rock there because that's that's where I bought my uh, bottle of High Rock. I'm bringing it up actually, just out of curiosity. The closest one it says is Union, um, and then there's one in West Orange. I feel like there's closer ones, but um, yeah, it's it's Union and West Orange. Okay, yeah, so we'll. I'll try to probably get there, maybe. And um, the spirits. Yeah, there you go. They got lots of. I can go mm-hmm. and actually order online. So that's bring even some better. with you to Pocono, and you can make a, a screwdriver and enjoy that while you know watching the first stage there. Well, my my plan is to watch the first stage and leave because it'll be done at like fourth four forty five or five o'clock. At that point, I'll be sufficiently served. Um. Because I'll have been there since eight or nine o'clock in the morning, which is what makes it so brutal. Um, they should just run the Arca Wreckfest earlier in the day, just so people can laugh at how bad all those people are and how many people that are in the crowd that could be better than the people that are in that race. But uh, instead, they're running it on Friday in front of nobody. Um, oh, the swap meet is back for English Town. They destroyed the drag strip, but we still have the swap meet and we have a drift track. Um, yeah, so Iowa Speedway, we'll see with that. I We made our picks. Uh, Got to figure out a way to document these just to see. Uh, I'm going to write it down. I'm just going to write them down here, roughly. So forgive me, listeners. Uh, Josh went with Joseph Newgarden and then Jimmy. I can put one name. I know who he is. And then Scott Dixon and Jack Harvey. It's Phil, Josh, Iowa, Picks. I mean, I guess that goes across for both races. So, I mean, we're not picking two different races. We're not going to go and get it that much into the minutia of it. Um, last thing we have to get into is the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. Uh, before we get into your sim segment, Josh, um, the, they've raced there. They've been racing there the last few years, even with COVID and all that. Uh, it's not a great racetrack. It's not exactly known for great racing, but there have been some interesting battles. Um, recently, uh, the Verstappen, uh, Hamilton battle, uh, saw, uh, Verstappen come through, you know, last year with the victory they didn't race there in 2020 but they did race there in 2021 since their return hamilton has won two races there verstappen has won one um stats of the active drivers showing the active drivers that's what i'm gonna do so bring that up there i'll make my picks first uh all signs lead to max verstappen um continuing his trend he qualified on pole last year as well so i figure he wins the race he may not qualify on pole but i figure he wins the race um and that uh pierre gasly qualifies or not pierre gasly why do pierre gasly uh charles leclerc qualifies on pole and um verstappen wins we'll say verstappen leclerc and hamilton on the podium uh for me as my picks for uh, this weekend at Paul Ricard. I have to, would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that uh, Haas will be bringing upgrades. Their one upgrade for the year will be coming this weekend. 
a lot of the teams will be bringing upgrades this weekend toward to get ahead of the the seat whatever the the mid-season break that they'll be having and the shutdown so what we see this weekend and whatever things that they get to adjust off of that will affect not only this weekend's race in Paul Ricard, but then at Hungary next week, which is essentially a short track, a street track, go-kart type circuit. So totally different races here, these two races. Um, Lewis has done well at Paul Ricard, um, but car isn't the same car he's had the last three years there, or three of the last four years there. Uh, Verstappen has the advantage. He has to get back on the horse he Got a second place finish only because Ferrari blew up one of their cars. He should have finished worse than that, honestly. But um, he got a second place on. He's on line to get his first legitimate world championship, and uh, probably going to win on Sunday. Uh, I have a hard time believing anything's going to really get in the way of that. Um, but Mercedes may have something to say about it. I think Lewis Hamilton and George Russell have a car that'll work really well at Paul Ricard because it's billiard table smooth. And um, some of the changes they've made and some of the upgrades they've made uh, could have them in the mix, even though they lack straight line speed. So they might have to run less downforce than other teams to kind of make up for that. So we'll see how that affects their tire wear and um, tire temperature buildup, which has become a problem, which has been a problem for them so far this year, Josh. But um, other than that, I mean, Lando has a top five and two top tens there. Uh, what is it? Uh, Botas has two top fives and three top tens, but of course he was driving for Mercedes. Vettel, two top fives, three top tens. He was driving um, mostly for Ferrari in that time. Carlos Sainz has two top tens. Leclerc has one top five and two top tens. And Sergio Perez has one top five, one top ten, and three races. Magnus and Alonso Gasly has two top tens. Okay. And uh, Stroll actually has a top ten. So who knew that? That was a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we have uh, with Formula One going into this weekend. Last part before the first half of the season ends, Josh. But um, what are you looking for at Paul Ricard, and who do you think is going to fill out the podium? Well, it's going to be interesting. I think you know Max Verstappen probably be on the podium, um, and I think uh, one of the Ferraris as well. I think um, they're starting to hit a corner or a, a turnaround with uh, Ferrari. Uh, I think you know both uh, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc have been running well as of late. Uh, they just haven't been able to have quite the same luck uh, of course uh, Carlos Sainz you know winning Silverstone and then the next weekend going to Austria and then having a failure mechanical failure in the late stages of that race um taking him out of the running order there so um now he goes to the French Grand Prix uh to try to make up for that result and try to get back on track um but I think uh you know I think the battle is going to be between Verstappen and Leclerc but then I think also you know got to start looking out for Mercedes you know the Lewis Hamilton has been uh, running very well as of late, just uh, been picking up uh, third place finishes, getting onto the podium the last couple of weeks uh, in Formula One. So I think, um, you know, I expect maybe Lewis to be on the podium this weekend. 
um, and maybe be very competitive compared to the Ferraris and the Red Bull. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to watch that. Uh, I think, um, you know, the Red Bull uh, team uh, principal, Christian Horner, said that um, he expects Mercedes to uh, be very competitive this weekend. So um, if Christian Horner is saying that, I mean, that means that they know that they got to be ready for Mercedes. So um, it seems like you know, the upgrades that they put in uh, so far this year um, seems like it's beginning to work out, and um, we'll see if it turns out right um, as far as uh, the fortunes go and um, see if um, Lewis is able to continue his streak of getting onto the podium and, then, and if uh, George Russell can um, continue getting top fives like he has been for most of the year uh, here in, in uh, Formula 1. So um, I expect, yeah, those three to be the teams to look out for. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned Haas earlier. Well, um, makes sense, you know, with uh, – their upgrades that they put in and also consider the results that they had the last Grand Prix where both their cars finished uh, in the points. Um, now they, you know, Gunther Steiner has said, you know, they can continue forward now, now that they've proven they can get two guys on the podium, but then also um, they've got to be able to remain even keeled. Can't get too overexcited over being in the points and expect, you know, expect them to be low key uh, throughout the weekend. And you know, I'm sure drive to survive crew is going to be following them as they have for most of that series. I'm sure that um, they'll say one thing and then uh, something else will end up turning, turning up. So uh, we'll see what happens with Haas, but I think, you know, they're, that's probably the wild card team to look out for. You know, they, they've been, uh, fairly good the last couple of weeks and you, know, you saw uh the result of all that work uh in in austria so um you know, i think um they're going to be competitive and um i think also you have to look for uh mclaren look for uh lando norris uh see if he can continue to finish in the points um and see if ricardo you know as his ride continue comes into question how does he respond uh at the French Grand Prix, it does, can he finish in the points and not only finish in the points, but, um, you know, can he get higher than where he has been finishing? Like maybe like a sixth place finish instead of a ninth place finish. Can he possibly beat his teammate this weekend and maybe shut down the rumors just for a little bit more, uh, as we continue to go progress throughout the season. So I think that's something you have to look out for. Um, I think, um, with uh, how he's performing, it's a it's a bit of a long shot, but we'll have to see. And I think it also depends on how they qualify this weekend too. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I mean, just to restate, yeah, I think um, Max Verstappen wins this weekend. Um, then podium Lewis and Charles Leclerc on the podium, and then yeah, the we'll have the wild card being uh, Kevin Magnussen. Um, I think he's probably going to do well in driving the. Uh, number 20 Haas car uh, this weekend. I'd sign for Kevin Magnuson having a good run. I picked uh, Mike Mick Schumacher on the Grid Talk podcast to have a Q3 appearance, uh, top six or so, six, seven, and then to finish in the top six or in the race. So you're hedging with Kevin Magnuson. It's not a bad call. Uh, with that, Josh, uh, let us know. Uh, what's going on in uh, the world of sim racing. There's a lot of games going on. You got G Gran Turismo, you got Forza, you have all the ones on the computer. 
You have um, iRacing with some additions. You get um, the stuff going on because NASCAR determines all the racetracks that they're going to race on on iRacing. So um, what's going on with you in the world of sim racing? Yeah, I mean, right now for me, I've uh, been actually trying to play the Formula One game, F1 2022. So I've uh, been trying to play it uh, this past weekend. Uh, did a couple of online races. Uh, and it was interesting, um, a lot of contact, uh, and you can lose the front wing and still, uh, maintain pace. Um, you don't really lose a whole lot of front downforce because, well, what a surprise, uh, it turns out that ground effects work really well in the video game. So, you know, you can, um, I feel like I did lose a little bit of top end speed from the downforce, but, um, it wasn't like, um, you, once you lose the front wing, you immediately lose everything. So uh, you can keep going. You don't have to, like it tells you if you lose the front wings, like, oh, check check the um, MFD to uh, upgrade your pitch strategy and then go uh, take take the route to pit road. Well, uh, you can ignore that and just keep going. So kind of, kind of like, uh, unlike in iRacing, where if you get wing damage or something and they tell you you have damage, um, they basically black flag you and you have like, like five or so laps to come in to make your pit stop to get uh, repairs for damage. Uh, and it's really annoying because like, uh, especially like an indie car where if you just barely touch the wall, but it's enough to say that you've got damage in any car, well, um, you have to come in and, you know, take a pit stop and, you know, hopefully, hopefully yellow comes out before you're uh, disqualified for not pitting on that side. So um, that's something to look out for. But yeah, in the video game, uh, F122, uh, you know, able to uh, run a couple races there. And yeah, the starts were interesting. And um, especially, you know, talked about, well, I got damage. Well, the uh, damage was from uh, pretty crazy starts where a lot of people crashing at the start, um, you know, whether right off the bat or in the first turn, trying to be the hero and everything. And uh, I was trying to be careful, you know, I try to start in the back and just try to be careful at the first corner, not, you know, try to send it and everything, just try to um, pick up positions through attrition. And that's what I try to do and try to get um, into the points at least and see, you know, what I can do. Um, feel like right now lacking a little pace but it's because trying to learn some of these tracks um compared to you know how i am in i racing with the indy cars and the 87 cars um the f1's a little bit different um and i'm able to do well at the tracks that i know pretty well like uh spa monza um you know those type of racetracks where you have a lot of high speed uh, straights and then, um, you know, smooth sweeping corners and, but then, you know, the more technical, uh, tracks that I've tried, like, uh, by rain, some other places, um, it seems like it's a little bit, a little bit tougher, uh, there. And then also did try the Miami GP, uh, offline, uh, which that was an interesting, uh, race there. Um, is a, definitely a, uh, interesting corners, uh, especially the one corner that's kind of a uh, set of corners that's kind of sh- uh, similar to Nashville uh, street circuit in IndyCar. Um, and you're able to really carry a lot of speed through that corner and then uh, use DRS uh, uh, throughout, you know, the three DRSs on that racetrack. So um, yeah, it's an interesting game. You got to get a little bit more in depth into it. I feel like maybe there's some unnecessary aspects to the game. Like you have the lifestyle part of the game where you try to um, upgrade your characters like i guess bachelor pad or whatever it's called in the game and um you know it's a interesting aspect that they put in the game similar to like what ea has and i guess like the madden games and uh the other uh sports games that they had 
um, to try to like upgrade your character's life outside of the uh, actual franchise career part, but um, rather interesting that they decided to put like a shopping simulator inside of an F1 simulator. So uh, that thought that part was cool. And then iRacing uh, tried to do uh, 87s at California Speedway and then 80 cars at Iowa. Uh, real tough on that end. Uh, got taken out early in the Indy cars and uh, trying to avoid an accident. And then Cup 87 cars uh, was trying to avoid a wreck and then got hooked in the right rear and got sent to the wall. So a little bit of bad luck there, but, you know, it was a little bit busy, so I didn't have time to make it up. But, you know, that happens, happens sometimes in racing. So we'll take it with us and, you know, continue forward. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got really for Sim part uh you know try to continue to do more f1 stuff um and try to figure out more stuff on iRacing and then you know as always uh you can follow the iRacing stuff uh twitch tv slash usailor2 uh go on there and see all my stuff um i did download my copy of my indy 500 wins so i'll probably just upload that to my youtube page uh so you, you, know, you can have it on there permanently because uh twitch uh has the thing where you end up losing the video it gets automatically deleted after about maybe like two and a half to three months so getting close to that time so I had to go and preserve it download it and i'll upload it to youtube at some point and it'll be on there permanently uh, for people to see so you can go follow me on there twitch tv slash you sailor too and then of course the uh rest of the stuff uh, for the clothes um follow my social media at jpl find see what i got to say on there and see all the stuff i'm interested in whether it's racing the football stuff the markets uh, all the other stuff that in the news that uh we see every day so if you want to go on there and see what i'm interested in look at my page um then course you can follow the grip share podcast youtube page which will have this uploaded along with our uh, ralph shaheen interview that we had last night with our other friend joe Pacero. can go on there and watch that and we'll be sure to upload this video and uh that uh, video up on there and it should be up there in the end of the week and you can see all four of us uh talk and give our discussion uh with uh, ralph shaheen so uh great to have him on here and and you know as always uh glad phil that you were able to schedule that with him and you know also glad that he was able to work with us and we tried to do it through discord and we switched to zoom for his interview and now we're doing this part on discord so a little bit of switchback but you know we're able to work with each other on that so glad to be able to uh, collaborate with uh, you on that it's great that we get to do this together and have fun talking about racing. I mean, we go over a lot of types of racing, some that, to be fair, um, not we're not able to watch uh, to the full extent, but we're going to actually talk about it because of knowledge and, um, and try to keep ourselves out of the LCD side of the social media thing. But we are out there. Uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter at Philip G Matthew. Our show at Gripshapod is on Twitter as well. You can also see me on F1 Chronicle, uh, the Grid Talk podcast. F1 Grid Talk. Uh, they have their YouTube page. Uh, I usually do hits on there. As it stands, I'm probably not going to do French Grand Prix hits for them this weekend. If you know you know plans work out. And I, my body's able to do it. I'm probably going to get to Pocono on Sunday because I haven't been to a race in forever. Want to go and do some diecast hunting? And um, you know, the 
if you want to go and see us, the YouTube page, the Grips for Podcast YouTube page that Josh uh, does such a great job with uh, managing there. We'll go and send the Ralph Shaheen interview, which was awesome. It was outstanding. It was just, uh, probably one of the best hours that we've ever had. Uh, I mean, whatever. It wasn't even a full hour, but one of the best uh, nearly hours that we've had in, in the show history in 100 and essentially 25 episodes. So we want you to go and see that or listen to it. Um, Joe, Josh, and I went through a lot of stuff yesterday in regards to NASCAR and all three major series uh, in 124. This is 124 and a half. It'll go down as 125. So next week will be 126. We will be back next week on uh, the Gripster Podcast, episode 126, uh, to go and discuss all things Pocono, all things the French Grand Prix. We'll have talk of Iowa Speedway IndyCar, uh, Redux. We'll talk about Indianapolis with the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series there. You'll have IndyCar running on the Indy Road Course. We'll have Formula One at Hungary. NHRA will be racing at uh, Seattle. Um, there's plenty of stuff that will be going on. We'll recap what happened at uh, SRX. And if Marco actually wins a championship, um, we'll see if the Cup Series has a 15th different winner uh, this weekend at Pocono, which is possible uh, with all the craziness that can happen at Pocono Raceway. Um, with a little bit more weather possible a possibility uh, on on tap for Sunday for Pocono Raceway. So with that, for Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you for listening. Gripster Podcast. Take care of one another. Things are kind of getting a little bad again relative to a certain thing that a lot of people want to ignore. So um, take care of one another and be cognizant of what other people are dealing with and your own personal situation with your health and understand that not everybody is in the same spot and let's care for one another instead of trying to knock everybody off, um, which seems to be the thing unless um, you're a pussy and you have all that stuff and you still aren't willing to knock somebody off and you let him knock off kids. Um, But that's beside the point. So, um, that for Josh, I'm Phil. Uh, thanks for listening to Gripster Podcast this week. Uh, two great episodes, and we will be back next week for episode 126 of the Gripster Podcast, going over everything that took place this past weekend in motorsports. Take care. Goodbye.